Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. I was praying this week, and I this message isn't normally I try to, normally, I don't know, normally jokes come first, and then scriptures follow. <laughs> uh, kidding, but seriously though, usually it's easy to think of introductory stories or jokes and, um, and, and normally, you know, the other parts kind of come, to, come together. But today I just, I felt almost like, a, if I could today, be honest, I almost felt like a prophetic type of message that God was weaving in the fabric of my soul this week. And I felt so burdened. I don't know. Again, I, I feel like we're living in such a wild window of time. And before I want to get into that, I just wanted, I wanted to honor a few people. I wanted to honor the, our brave men and women that serve in our military. I am so grateful, so grateful to be an American. If you serve, you have served, or you have family that serve in the military, would you just stand your feet real fast? We want to honor you today. Thank you for our brave men, women, Marines, Coast Guard, Navy, Army, all of our special forces. Our, I am so grateful. If you could, could you stand just for a moment? I want to pray for even the Marines and the brave men and women, the families that were lost this week. And I believe that, man, there's ever an hour for the church to pray for our, our servicemen. It's now. And I want to just pray right now. If you could stretch forth your hands to those that are standing, even symbolically, for those that are serving right now, maybe in Afghanistan, other parts of the world. God, we ask you today that first and foremost, you would come for the families of those that lost loved ones this week. We pray that you would give them a peace that surpasses understanding. We pray that what the enemy meant for evil, that God, that you would bring good things out of it. I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would comfort those that mourn. And I pray, Lord, even today for our families and friends that are still serving overseas. We pray a wall of fire. We pray a hedge of protection. We pray, Lord, that God, the enemy wouldn't be able to, Lord, get in to penetrate the armor and the angels that surround your people. We ask you today that you would bless our military, that you would surround them as the mountains surround Jerusalem. We pray you bring our brave sons and daughters home safe and sound. And we pray you beat the families of those, the Lord, that lost loved ones this week. In Jesus' name, we love you, and we thank you, God, to live in this great country. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen, amen. Thank you guys so much, honestly. I don't know, here at Ocean's Church, we're proud to be Americans. We are. And I know that that's, that's politically incorrect, but, you know, sometimes I don't like being politically incorrect. Politically correct. <laughs> or incorrect. Or incorrect and correct. I think sometimes we just got to realize, man, there's no perfect nation in the world. The fact that people are uh, doing this with their babies, trying to, to give their kids to strangers in uniforms, it reveals, I mean, honestly, if we want to know what tyranny looks like, look no further than what was happening in the world right now. We live in a blessed place. And uh, I don't know, I felt this in my spirit this week. Just a, I feel like we're in a battle right now. I think we can't see it always with our physical eyes, but I feel like there is a spiritual battle right now, even in California. We moved here three years ago because I really do believe that what happens in California has the ability to change the world. If, if Idaho's revived, it changes Idaho. If California is revived, it shakes the earth. There is something in the fabric of this soil. I don't know why. It's like there is an authority, like an apostolic grace in California that if it's movies, it goes around the world. If it's technology, it goes around the world. If it's medical devices, it goes around the world. If it's, if it's, if it's entertainment, it goes, 
if it's sports, it goes, if it's the church, Calvary Chapel, Vineyard, Jesus People Movement, it goes around the world. And I do believe that when California is revived, you better watch out world. That's why we moved here. And I felt my soul this week, my spirit. Normally I try to juggle knives and tell jokes. But today I just feel like giving you a message that was burning in my soul this week. If you're here today, if you're brand new to our church, I'm going to open the Bible up to Acts chapter 10. I'm going to read a story about the very, very, uh, I would say it's one of the most important days in church history for those that are not Jewish. Those that are not Jewish. It is the day that Christianity and the Spirit of God became openly available to those that were not Jewish. Happened to an, a, a Roman centurion, an Italian guy that actually was serving uh, in the military. His name, was, his name was Cornelius. Cornelius was a devout, the Bible calls him a God-fearer. God-fearers were people that weren't Jews, they weren't Samaritans, but they were those that prescribed to the teachings of the Jews. They believed in Yahweh. And today, I want to talk to you about his story and kind of how it relates to, I believe, what's going on in the world today. And uh, if you're taking notes, we're in a series called It's Possible. And I think that what God does best is he makes things that shouldn't happen, happen. He does things that people say can't be done, and he does them. He, He takes a people, a group of people that shouldn't do it. He takes the foolish things of the world, and he confounds the wise. He takes the things that are not to put to shame the things that are. Are you hearing me today? And I love the story we find here at Cornelius because it's a very, very unorthodox story about a guy that probably was the least likely. But uh, I want to read today uh, a few verses just to give you a little summary today. The church has started in Acts chapter uh, 2 when the Holy Spirit comes. The Bible says that Jesus was born silently in a quiet night in a manger, right? In a, in a, in a cave or in a manger. And, and the Holy Spirit came violently in uh, the early church in a prayer meeting in Acts chapter 2. He filled an upper room, caused a bunch of devout 120 Jews to go into the streets. It was like Mardi Gras. People are like, what is going on? These men must be drunk. They had so much courage. 3,000 people got saved after Peter preached. After they preached, uh, the next chapter, chapter 4, we see, a, uh, we see Acts chapter 3. There was a guy that was born lame at a beautiful gate. Miracle breaks out. Church grows some more. Persecution arises. Acts chapter 4, they're like, shut up with your Christianity. Keep it separated from our politics and our, our policies and our structures and our societies. But they said, whether it's the right to obey God or to obey you, you decide. As for us, we can't help but to speak the things that we've seen. Amen. So good. Seen or heard. <laughs> heard part's what you didn't hear. So we pick up reading here in Acts chapter 5. A couple people lie to the Holy Spirit. They die. A couple miracles break out. A, a girl came back from the dead named Tabitha. Another guy named Ananias gets, gets healed. And then we have another story in Acts chapter 7 of the church growing. And people are like, things are getting dropped. And they found a server from Red Robin named Stephen. Come on. He was waiting tables. And they said, hey, stop serving the dirty bird and bottomless fries. We need you to deliver the good news. And the Bible says that Stephen preached, preached boldly. They actually would persecute him. They would kill him. And when they killed him, there was a guy, Saul of Tarsus. He's part of the Taliban. No, not really. He was part of the Pharisee group. And the Bible says that he was actually against the Christians. In Acts chapter 8, we pick up reading, and it's a story about Acts chapter 8 and 9 about how this guy, Saul of Damascus, would get, have, a, have a, an encounter with Jesus and become Paul the great apostle. Acts chapter 10. We pick up reading here. Cornelius is a devout man. 
He fears God. He's praying. He prays always. He gives generously. And this is wild. I want, to, I want to talk to you today. Take notes. I want to talk to you today about precision providence. Precision providence. I don't know. Have you ever noticed that so many things are happening at the same time? That it's almost like you couldn't script the crazy that we're seeing unless there was some sort of divine architect that had a plot twist at the end to do something for his glory. I want to show you that throughout history, God has always providentially, with precision, turned the tides at critical moments in history. I believe we're living in one of these windows. If you believe it, can I get an amen? Acts chapter 10. Cornelius prays. He has a vision. He sends some guys. They go to Simon the Tanner's house. He lives by the sea. He lives in Pelican Hill. No no wonder Peter's staying with him. He's excited about it. And uh, the Bible says that these two guys come. And the moment that they get there, Peter has a vision. He sees it three times. He's hungry. He hasn't eaten. So what do you dream about? Say it with me. Food. What would you dream about if you haven't eaten? Come on. Say it with me. Food. He has a dream of food. He sees some animals. He hears the voice rise. Peter, kill and eat. And the story goes that he sees it three times. Because sometimes even the most godly people need to hear it more than one time. Three times it happens. He finally goes, all right. I'll do what you want me to do. God said, I want you to doubt nothing. Go with the men that are coming. And he breaks all religious protocol. He follows non-Jews, gets to the door of a guy named Cornelius. Cornelius says, hey, I summoned you. An angel told me to. Now what? Peter got there. He said, God told me to come. Now what? They're staring at each other at an awkward moment of now what? Yes, right. Peter does what he knows best. We pick up reading in verse 32. It says, actually... Verse 34, then Peter opened his mouth in his doorway and he said, in truth, I perceive that God shows partiality to no one, but in every nation, say it with me, every nation, I think the U.S. would fall into that category, say it with me, in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness, does what's right, is accepted by God, and the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace, what did he preach? Come on, Jesus came preaching what? Peace through Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of all. Not some. He's the Lord of. And the word you know which was proclaimed throughout all of Judea. Began in Galilee. After the baptism of John. Preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. With the Holy Spirit. What was he anointed with? And he was anointed with power. Who went about doing good. Healing all who were oppressed. Say it with me. Oppressed. The word oppressed means controlled by the devil. And for God, for God was with him. We are witnesses of these things, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed and hung on a tree, whom God raised Jesus from the dead on the third day, showed him openly, not only to all the people, but to eyewitnesses chosen before by God, even to us. We ate, we drank. Come on, we had some fish. We had some chips and fish, fish and chips. With God, we ate and drank with him. He arose after he got out of the grave. And commanded us to preach to the people and to testify to them who he ordained to judge the living and the dead. To him, the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive the forgiveness of sins. While Peter was still preaching these words. What words? These words. The Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. Can I ask you a question? Who did, he, who did the Holy Spirit fall upon? All that what? Listen to me. You could be in the same room as somebody else, but if you're not listening, you can miss it. 
Bible says the only ones that got impacted by the Spirit of God were those that actually listened with an open heart. Could I have a pastoral moment for a second? I, I'm telling you, church is great, but coming to church with an open heart is where it works best. I would tell you that your spirit is like a parachute. It works best when it's opened at church. So it says, as he spoke, the Holy Spirit fell on them as they heard the word. Those of the circumcision, all the Jews, right, that were with Peter were astonished as many that came with them because the gift, the gift, say with me, gift. It's important to know about the Holy Spirit. You don't pay for him. You don't earn him. You don't deserve him. If I give you a $100 bill, it's a gift. It's not because you're good. It's because I'm good, right? And the gift of the Holy Spirit is, uh, is evidence not of your goodness. It's evidence of and the gift was poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues. Uh-oh, scary. And magnified God. Then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should be, not be baptized who received the Holy Spirit just as we have? They commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, and they asked them to stay with him there a few days. I want to talk to you today about precision providence. Precision providence. Father, we love you. We honor you. I pray for the next 20 minutes or so that you would cause a cool breeze to flow through this room. We ask you, Father, that, Lord, even that's hot naturally, we ask that, Lord, even now, that you would heat up the temperature of our spirit, that you would, you would stoke the fire of our faith. I pray that we wouldn't be cold. I pray that we wouldn't be lukewarm. But I pray there be an intensity in Ocean's Church, that we believe that what God did in Galilee, he can do here in Irvine, Lake Forest, and Laguna Hills. We ask you to bless us today with your sweet presence. We love you so much. In Jesus' name. Come on. God said, uh, amen. Everybody said? Bless Ocean Softball team too. Amen? Amen. Uh, I don't know. I, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm 37. I look 36, but I'm 37. And uh, I've been alive long enough to realize that the older generation, they don't make the younger generation uh, like they used to. Can we agree on that? Sometimes the older, I was at a wedding last night talking to an older gentleman. He was talking about a younger lady that he was dating. And he said, you know what? The younger generation isn't like us older generation. I said, ain't that the truth? He started talking about even how younger, younger generation people, they just, they don't have the same work ethic. They don't have the same devotion, dedication. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're right. There is something about the older generation that knew the value of a good work ethic. And uh, I was throwing rocks at myself because I am a younger generation, but I, I do appreciate when people do a job well. Can we all agree that when you pay for something, when you pay the full price, you want the full job? Can I get an amen on that? You don't want to take your car to the mechanic, pay for them to fix something, and they don't fix it. Hire someone to clean your house, and they don't clean something. I, uh, we just bought a house, which is a modern-day miracle in Orange County, if you work at a church. Can I get an amen to that? Bought a house a few weeks back, and uh, it's an older house. Love, I love this house. We're so blessed, so excited about it. The only problem with older houses sometimes is they have older problems. Whoa, profound. We, uh, I'm, not, I'm not handy. I'm not good at working with anything really except Jesus. I, I could screw a light bulb in, but other than that, I'm just good for praying for people. The only PhD I have is in prayer, healing, and deliverance. That's all I'm good at, man. A one-trick pony. I tried to install a dimmer switch one time, got electrocuted, blacked out. All I remember is the uh, flathead landing on my toe. 
That's all I remember. Not handy. My friend Ant can build cars. I can't build anything. I can't even put together puzzles. I'm trying, but come on, pray for me. I, uh, I realized we moved into our house, and the guy put a new yard in, which was awesome. He put fresh mulch. Mulch? Proud that I knew that name. Put mulch in. He planted some new plants. He's got a little yard. Our old house didn't have a yard, so this is exciting for us. Our girls have a little bit of a yard. He planted these new plants, and it's just so cool. We were excited. We had our closure, our 30-day closure. We move into the house. We noticed that a lot of the plants are starting to die. And so I, I asked my friend Mike, who does landscaping in our church. He's brilliant, an architect in the yard. And so like, hey, Mike, can you help me out? I'm gonna, I have 14 left arms. I have zero coordination. And so can you help me out? I don't know what I'm doing. And uh, so he came over, and he's like, yeah, your, your sprinklers are running. But he started digging, and he realized that the lines, so there was sprinkler lines in the ground that were going nowhere. So apparently, the, uh, <laughs> the amazing architect of the uh, sprinkler system, before they, they, they sold the house, they installed about half the pipes, all the plumbing's there, all the water's there. But the crazy part was, is there was literally pipes laying on, on, the, on the top of our ground, and I thought, man, they left us some extra pipes. I didn't realize those were the pipes that were supposed to be buried. We have water going nowhere. About 25, 35 yards from where the, where the water is supposed to end up, it's just being poured out to nowhere. It's watering the weeds. Watering the weeds. I was praying this week, and I just felt like California was almost like my yard. That there is wells of water. There is, there is plums, power, presence, spirit of God in this land been here since the origins of it but it's almost like a lot of the pipes that are supposed to circulate the hydration to the plant societies education politics the the, the landscape of our, our our land it's like the the plumbing has never been put into the ground and i just thought man i had my friend mike come over and mike is a he is an architect man that guy can he has a precision with that irrigation system he knows how to get the water from the source to the, to the need. And I just feel like in my heart, my soul is praying this week. And I feel like many of you would agree there's things dying in California right now. We would agree, man, man, it seems like politics stuff is dying. And the, the divides right now, there's d d dying. Cities are dying. And it's like parts of our societies that have always been fruitful or barren. And why in the world is with so much water and natural resource? And we're the fifth wealthiest economy in the world by a state. But we're bankrupt. And we're not a blue state. We're not a red state. We're a corrupt state. Why is things dying? In our land. And this isn't a political message. This is a message of God. Would you revive us once again? I am convinced that God is a God that can turn the tides. I'm, I'm persuaded of it. I'm convinced of it. And God is so strategic. He's so precise. His precision is greater than Breitling or Rolex or Panerai. He's, he is a precision working God. His timing is impeccable. If you live long enough, you've realized that God is never early. Feels like he's late sometimes, but he likes to make an entrance. And I love this story because it's about a guy named Cornelius who was devout. 
He feared God. He gave generously. He was religious. He was pious. He prayed always. But the Bible says he wasn't saved. That's wild. You're telling me someone that prayed always, that gave generously, that actually feared God, and someone that actually was devout didn't really have a genuine faith? And I love the fact that he was the first one to acknowledge it. Because if you read Acts chapter 11, verse I think it's 21, it says that the answer to, to Cornelius' prayer, the angel shows up and says, Cornelius, your prayer has been answered. It goes on in chapter 11 to tell us what the prayer was. His prayer was, how can I and my family be saved? You know the only difference between Cornelius and the spiritual people in Orange County that fear God, that are devout, that pray sometimes, and even have a form of Christianity or godliness, is he realized he wasn't truly saved. There is people today that they think, man, church attendance makes you a Christian. Attending a church makes you a Christian like owning an oven makes you a baker. It could be true, but not in and of itself. Christianity isn't passed on. It's not like a secondhand smoke. I think secondhand Christianity is screwing people up. People are living, they're getting high off of other people's fire. And I believe that God's, his heart is that every human being God doesn't have stepkids, grandkids. Are you hearing me today? He only has children. God made all of you. And today I just feel burdened in my soul, my spirit, that God had a way of providentially orchestrating a change, a shift. What, is, what scholars would say was the most critical moment to the non-Jewish world. When Cornelius cried out to God, God heard and sent an angel to Cornelius. And simultaneously, as the clockwork of an angel came to him, there was a vision that came to a guy named Peter as he was by the seaside at Simon the Tanner's house. He sees an angel. He sees, or he sees, he sees a vision of a blanket with, with animals on it. He hears a voice, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And the Bible says that the vision came three times. And it was the third time that it started circulating through his skull. Maybe God has a plan. And I'm, I love the fact that at the very moment his heart softened to actually open up that maybe the gospel is beyond just the Jewish nation. Maybe other people can benefit from Yahweh. Maybe those that weren't born like us, raised like us, knew the scriptures like us, can become heirs of salvation too. And we find here at the very moment, the exact moment that his heart softens, he hears a voice that says, there's two guys here, follow them and doubt nothing. Do you know why Christianity and the spirit of God is available to non-Jews today? Because somewhere in our, in our family line, there was a man named Peter that had enough faith to doubt nothing. I wonder where are the Christians today in California that doubt nothing? I feel like we have people that doubt everything. This church is probably where this, these people are probably corrupt. This state's probably going to hell. California's going to fall into the ocean. God can't save. God can't redeem. God can't do miracles. God can't, God can barely get you to heaven. Where are the people that doubt nothing? Where are the ones that say, hey, God said in the Old Testament that you're not supposed to hang out with these people. But I have a vision. I have a word from God saying I'm supposed to go. It's wild that Peter would have the audacity to stand against the traditions of his day. Some of you are like, Mark, this tradition, this church is different. I grew up Catholic. I grew up in a conservative church. Christina said, I grew up in a church that preached the Ten Commandments, but I never had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Some of you would say, I don't know why I go to a church like this. I don't know why I sweat on Sundays. 
I don't know why. There's 50 churches that have giant auditoriums with great air conditioning. They got 15 coffee bars. They got 16 wings for their kids. And here I am sweating my face off. But there is something in these tents. It's almost like some water that gets to me in these tents that isn't plumbed in other places that I go. Precision providence. What does that mean? It means, it means divine accuracy. God is accurate, man. If God was a golfer, his golf score would be 18. If he was a batter, come on, he bats 1,000. We serve a God that doesn't miss. And at the very moment that Peter needed to have someone lead him, he's led. In the very moment that he needed to show up to the house, he shows up. In the very minute that, that Cornelius opens the door, he doesn't realize that he is a door. Cornelius was a door to everyone that's not Jewish that would believe. And at the doorway where most Jews would never go in, never associate, never have conversation, in that world, Jews called non-Jews dogs. You read the story. But they heard a story from Jesus that one day the Spirit of God would come in such a way that we would go into all the world, to Jerusalem, to the Jews, to Judea, to Samaria, the half-Jews, half-Gentiles, and to all the nations of the earth. This is the fulfillment of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Are you with me today? And we read here, if you're here and you're not Jewish, this is a big moment for you. Because Cornelius stands at his doorway and he says, all I know is I'm supposed to summon you. Peter said, all I know is I'm supposed to come to you. And they're staring awkwardly at each other. Now what? You know what Peter does? He does what he only knows how to do. He says, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you real quick about a God that I really believe that whether you're light skin or dark skin, whether you speak Spanish or Portuguese, I don't care where you grew up. I don't care what side of the tracks you were raised on. I don't care if you were raised in a mansion or you were raised on a sidewalk. I, I perceive, I, I am convinced that with God, he shows zero partiality. There's no favorites with God. We are all his favorites. Those that fear him, those that revere him, those that do what right in his sight, he will pour out mercy to anyone who will call on his name. And then he begins to tell a story. And the story is what I feel like will shake the fabric of Orange County. I believe this story that he shared, these five points, these points he shares, I believe is the message that we're supposed to run with today. You see, I believe what's true of Jesus is true of us. Are you with me today? I believe if it's true of Jesus, it's true of us. If he reigns in victory, we can live in victory. If he's not struggling, we don't have to live in struggling. I believe if he rules and he reigns, he gives us the authority to rule and to reign. In the ancient world, when your Caesar dominated a land, a nation, what was true of Caesar became true of you. That's why it was such a big deal. That's why Saul was sweating his face off when, when this little red-headed homeschool kid, barefoot, with his harp on his back and a slingshot on his side said, hey, let me have a go at Goliath. Because the truth was, if Goliath won, every Jew would serve the Philistines. But if David won, every Philistine would have to serve the Jews. What's true of your leader is true of the people. Do you know why you cheer when your team wins a Super Bowl? Because you somehow identify with a God-given desire that you are made in the image of God and God created us to celebrate the victory of those that win for us. You didn't throw a ball. You ate Funyuns. Come on. 
You were dipping in your nachos queso dip. You, you, you were eating those lime Tostito chips. Come on. And you were cheering when they score a touchdown like you just sprinted 40 yards. Do you know why you celebrate when others win? Because God made us this way. We were made to celebrate the victory of Jesus. We were wired. You know, sometimes it's crazy. In the ancient world, they didn't have Facebook. They didn't have Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. And so it could sometimes take months. When a military defeated an opposing army, it could take months, even years, to get the report of the victory. Do you know that some people would live those entire days, those months and years, thinking that they weren't overcoming that people group? And it wasn't until the king came back in his parade and he would say, we already won. It was six months ago that we got victory over the Canaanites, over the parasites. We dominated the cellulites. Come on, somebody. You didn't hear about it till today, but the battle was won 2,000 years ago. We were made to celebrate the victory of our king. And I love this story because it says it's so powerful here that he, he starts talking to them and he says, look, there was a guy, Jesus, God sent him. And you know the word that he came, it was the word of peace. He came from Galilee. And I love the Christianity, it started in rural Galilee. It went into the urban area of Jerusalem. And now we find it in Antioch. We find it in the cosmopolitan. Antioch is probably the third most significant city in the ancient world, next to Alexandria and Rome. We know that those cities were pagan. Come on, someone say with me, pagan. You think L.A. is corrupt? You think New York is morally bankrupt? These ancient cities would make New York and L.A. look like Provo, Utah. Come on, somebody. This is a holy place. I'm telling you that the ancient world, Josephus, a historian, said that Christianity was the moral antiseptic to the ancient world. That wherever Jesus was preached, morality lifted. Wherever Jesus was proclaimed, that all of a sudden people knew right from wrong. Wherever he was raised and elevated, somehow the fabric of society got strengthened. Listen to me. If God did it then, he can do it again. If you believe it, say amen. So he comes on the scene and Peter, Peter looks at him and he says, I have a message for you. And I'm, I'm convinced of this, that he preached this message. And this message is true today. I want you to write four things down about precision, providential precision, that God is going to do something in California. You can't script the crazy that's happening here. I'm telling you, people say, Mark, why is everybody making crazy decisions? Because the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Wherever there is an abundance of lacking wisdom, there is an abundance of a lack of fear of God. We live in an illogical society because we pulled God out of our education. We pulled God out of everywhere in society. We want to take the Ten Commandments off the Supreme Court. We want to push them out of the Pledge of Allegiance. We want to take them off of our money. But for now, he's still the God in which we trust. And I am convinced that he wants to do a work in our day that we would not believe, even if someone was to tell it to us. Can I want you to write these four things down? I love that he said, Jesus Christ came. And the first thing he tells us about Jesus that is true of you and true of me is the Bible says he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you today that Cornelius was generous? He attended church. He actually was devout. His family was devout. He had church close. He actually had church lingo, probably knew how to say amen, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Probably even said Father God when he prayed. Come on, somebody. You ever met a Father Godder? They're out there. This guy was a devout, God-fearing non-Jew. Gave generously. 
And the Bible says, watch me now, I'm almost, I'm going somewhere. It says that he, he didn't have a personal encounter, like Christina said, with the Holy Spirit. There's many of you here today, you were raised in church, you know the Bible, but you've never had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. I come today on the hottest Sunday of maybe the, the entire year. And I'll tell you today that if you'll open your heart, the Holy Spirit will fill it. If you'll open your mind, the Holy Spirit will fill it. If you'll open up your spirit, the Holy Spirit will fill it. He says the Holy Spirit came to fill. He filled Jesus. He anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit, and he anointed him, what, what, what else? With power. I believe that many powerless Christians are those that are void of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You know what the Bible says in Ephesians? says don't be drunk with wine. Don't be drunk with Corona, Miller Lite, Bud Light, tequila, vodka. He says, don't be drunk with wine. It says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You ever thought about why the, why, why would Paul tell the, the, the church of Ephesus not to be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit? Why the correlation? I believe it's because alcohol has an effect on you, just like the Holy Spirit. You see, if you drink enough alcohol, I was at a wedding last night, I talked to people who had a couple too many. At the wedding, I met a couple of people. This one guy was just, he was loud. He was talking probably three times louder than he needed to talk. When you're drunk, you will talk louder than normal. Hey, Rochelle, come over here. When you're drunk, not only do you talk louder, when you get drunk enough, you will stop caring what people think. Let's dance right here. Right here. If you get enough in your system, people that normally you would never be attracted to. I'm going to leave that one alone. It's wild that if you drink enough, it will affect your balance. It affects your equilibrium. Is this room spinning? No. Just your liver. You're under the influence. Do you know why he said not to be drunk but be filled? Because the Spirit of God will make you loud. The Spirit of the Holy Spirit coming inside of your soul, your mind, and your spirit. It'll give you a courage to elevate your voice. It'll give you a boldness to stop caring what people think about you. Man, it's a beautiful day when you stop caring. what. It is not your job to know what other people think about you. I don't care what you think about me. I am drunk in the Spirit of God. I'm having a good time. I'm going to get up on the stage. I'm going to dance if I want to. You get full of the Holy Spirit, it will make you loud. It will make you bold. You'll, you'll start loving people that you never loved before. You must be God intoxicated. How in the world did you forgive your dad? I love him. But he left you. I love him. But he, he betrayed I love him. You must be drunk. You better believe I'm drunk. I am God intoxicated. Where? Listen, I could tell you last couple weeks, I've been around people at events that had a few too many in them. I want to get around more Christians that are drunk with God. I want to find some little homeschool redheaded musicians charging down a mountainside talking about you're going down, sucker. David, you must be God intoxicated. Homeschoolers don't charge down mountains at nine and nine foot nine men. They don't charge after champion Goliath. What is wrong with you, David? I'm God intoxicated. I am filled with the spirit of God. Where are the Christians that are almost possessed with the spirit of God? 
Why would you pray like that? Why would you stand up to your boss and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm not bowing to your agenda. I'm not going after your ploy. I'm not serving your idols. I don't care if everybody else at this office is doing it. If Jesus isn't into it, I'm not into it. You must be drunk. Better believe I'm drunk. Fire me. God's my provider. Throw rocks at me. God's my defender. Come on, persecute me. God will bless me. The Bible says the more they persecuted the early church, the more they multiplied. Come on, where's my spiritually drunk people at up in here? Where are those that want to be filled with the Spirit of God? I love you, even though I shouldn't. You got some spiritual beer goggles on right now. Talking about, man, I love that guy. That guy's crazy. I got a heart for him. God's going to raise him up. I am convinced that when the Holy Spirit really fills you up, it'll affect your equilibrium. You'll stop tripping over things that other people trip on. I'm so drunk with God. I don't care. I, mean, I don't care if the news is saying the world's falling apart. I don't care if Chicken Little is talking about the world's falling apart. The sky is falling. I know that there is a God that rules and reigns. I know that he's never brought me this far to forsake me. I know that if he delivered me in days past, he will deliver me again. Are you with me today? Can I get a good amen? Would you give him a 10-second clap if you know that? Where are the God intoxicated? I am filled with the, I, I welcome the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Some people get scared when you talk about the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues. You get scared because you saw weird Christians. Listen to me. There are some weird people that speak in tongues. There are some weird people that are filled with the Holy Spirit. But full disclosure, they were weird before the Holy Spirit. They were weird by themselves. They were raised weird. They've been weird forever. God has some weird kids. Can I, can I get an honest amen? You, listen, weirdness is not a prerequisite of being open to the Holy Spirit. Being open to the Spirit of God does not make you anti-intellectual. I'm too academic to be, to be interested in the things of the Spirit. The Spirit of God is not a, a, the antithesis to the world's wisdom. Well, I would be spirit-filled, but I'm into higher education. Oh, I forgot those, those, don't, those don't work together. I forgot. I forgot that God, like, I forgot he only stopped at like 12th grade. He's like, that's it. You go get your BS, okay? And um, <laughs> bachelor's of science. <laughs> Dirty minds in this church. Lord, wash them. <laughs> Hear me today. I'm almost finished. Is they, 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 uh, <laughs> this is a good preacher, man. They were anointed with the Holy Spirit with power. I want to invite anyone today that you're scared of the Holy Spirit. Can I ask you a simple question? If Jesus was not scared to be filled with the Holy Spirit, why would you be scared? If Jesus bragged about the time in history that he would physically be gone, we wouldn't have to hop on a jumbo jet to Cairo, to go to Tel Aviv, to sit in a stadium 10 miles away looking at an LED screen of Jesus in person. He said, it's to your benefit that I leave. If I don't leave, I can't send Amen, Lord. He just always amens me sometimes. He scares me, Lord. He, uh, the Holy Spirit came. He came. 
Because Jesus couldn't be everywhere all the time, but his spirit can. And he is so precise. You know what he'll do? Is he'll speak to a guy named Cornelius 30 miles away. And he'll say, I'm gonna, I want you to send for a guy 30 miles away. He's staying at Simon the Tanner's house. He's in Pelican Crest. I want you to send for him. It's by the sea. He knows exactly what to share with you. At the very moment he's speaking to him, you know what he's speaking to? He's speaking to Peter in a vision. How cool is that God knew where Peter was at? He knew what Peter needed to see to go. He knew, he knew what Cornelius needed to do to open up his heart and his family. And as they stand face to face, here's the message that Peter shared. Listen to me. The Jesus changed the earth, and the reason why he's going to change all the non-Jews is because he was anointed with the Holy Spirit, and he was anointed with power. I would tell you today before God, there is a correlation to spirit-filled Christians and powerful Christians. When there is a lack of power, usually there's a lack of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will turn your Christianity from softball to baseball. You can make it to heaven without being filled with the Holy Spirit, but why would you want to do that? That's like those weird people that take the stairs at the airport when the escalator is right next door. Stop being a CrossFit overachiever. Hop on the escalator called the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? Shots of people right there. I still love you. I'm almost finished. I want to ask you today, would we be a church to be willing to, to say, Lord, I, I believe that you can change the tide in America. I believe that you can use California. And I, can I be honest with you? I think almost everyone in these tents has probably thought about moving out of state. I did a last service. Watch this. If you thought about moving out of state, come on, selling your house for $20 million, even though it's ugly, moving out of state. Come on, you thought about moving out of state. Raise your hand real quick. Come on. Everyone's thought about moving out. You know why? Because we don't live in a blue state or a red state. We live in a corrupt state right now. And the Bible says that when the wicked rule, the people groan. But when the righteous reign, the people rejoice. I believe that God is getting ready to irrigate the, the land of California. I believe he's put you here for such a time as this. I believe that you are the pipes that are going to irrigate the society. God isn't looking for a million full-time preachers. He's looking for some CEOs, school teachers, dog catchers, mailmen. He's looking for executives. He's looking for entrepreneurs. Are you hearing me today? He's looking for dentists and orthodontists. He's, are you hearing me? He's, he's looking for musicians and screenwriters and filmmakers. He's looking for people that will let him use them to irrigate the dry places. Cornelius, you know how Jesus changed the world? He was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. And if you're void of power, it's probably because you're void of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Well, speaking in tongues scares me. Well, guess what? Not everything in your human mind can comprehend the deep things of God. And if you think that God is only a God that's supposed to be explained, listen to me. He's too big to explain. He must be experienced. He's too, he's too big to fully explain. You must experience Him. And if you think with all your education, you can dab your ears uh, with your glasses and push it on the back of your nose and say, my eight-pound brain has figured out the almighty, infinite, limitless God, you are deceived, my friend. You will stagger for eternity trying to find the bottom of the God's depths. We serve a bottomless God. And just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's not true. And just because you've never experienced it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. He changed the world because he was full of the Spirit, full of power, and he did some good deeds. Where are the Christians that are ready to do some good in the world? Where are the ones? Come on, I, I see everybody tearing stuff down. Where are the Christians that will create 
instead of critique. It's easy to critique a movie. It's easy to be a food critic. I don't like that brownie. I didn't like that steak. I'm giving you one star. I've got a bunch of Yelp Christians criticizing everything in America, criticizing everything in California. Where are the believers that will do good by creating? I'm going to create jobs. I'm going to create wealth. I'm going to create entrepreneur ideas. I'm going to, I'm going to create concepts and ideas that will change the fabric. Where are the creators? Well, I don't think, well, I think, I think the world's got to create. We got to follow them. Listen to me. You think you being made in the image of God who made everything out of nothing can't give you a creative edge? You really think, Nadege, that God can't give you songs that no one else has ever sung before in Nashville? Hollywood? You really think? Come on. You really think Shane Boris that God can't give you ideas that the baseball industry has never seen before? We serve a God that gives us ideas beyond our education. He gives us opportunities beyond our education. He'll take us places that no one in our family has ever gone. We serve a God that will empower us to do good in the world. Here's the problem. When God gives us big platforms, we use them for ourselves. Will you stand on a platform for Jesus and use it for his kingdom? Or will you only use it for your castle? I think you should take care of your family. I think you should bless your kids, love your wives. But listen to me. Jesus is coming back for his church. Not Rambo Christians. Not, not, not just, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. I love Jesus, but I hate the kingdom of God. I just want to serve God in my own way. Listen to me. He's not coming back for Rambo Christians. He's coming back for his bride. And when you tell him, I love Jesus, but I hate the church, that's like saying, Mark, I love you, but I just can't stand Rochelle. We got problems. You don't love my wife. We can't hang out. You dishonor my wife. I don't want to hang out with you. Because to me, what I love the most is what I value the most. Listen to me. If Jesus values his bride, the church, the most, why would you not want to live to build it? To make it beautiful? To make it glorious? I know I'm stepping on some toes. Well, I went to a, a nasty church. All right. Well, listen, when you go to a nasty restaurant, you don't stop eating. I had some dirty tacos at that Burger King. Well, you shouldn't go to Burger King for tacos. That's your problem. You get sick eating food. You don't stop eating. You find a new restaurant. You go, that place is dirty. Some employees over there ain't washing their hands. God bless them. I ain't going back there. But I will find another location with some good management that, that obey the little sticker on the mirror. Wash your hands before you go back to work. I can tell you there's no perfect church, but there are some churches that actually believe in washing their spiritual hands. We, we, we will change. There's this right time, right place, and almost finished, when God's people will in, embrace and invite the Holy Spirit, Lord, anoint me. Lord, empower me. Lord, help me to do good in the world. How about this? Lord, use me to heal all those that are oppressed. Where, where are the Christians that still believe that God can help people that are sick? Where are the ones that when you get diagnosed with cancer, they're not like, oh, I'm so sad. Where are the ones that say, let's believe God? Where's the God intoxicated? Is there, any, is there anybody left in California that still thinks like this? Let's believe that God 
you're addicted to methamphetamine, let's believe. God can use counseling. God can use that stuff too. But let's also believe that we can cast out some of that darkness. Some stuff does get canceled out, but other stuff needs to get cast out. Can I get an amen? That's weird. No, it's not. Why are you so interested in darkness in horror movies, but you're so scared of darkness in church? The irony of our society. It's weird when pastors talk about demons and the devil at church, but you glorify it in your horror movies in October. Why would you do that? One of the devil's greatest tricks is to convince people he doesn't exist. And his two favorite audiences are this, the ones that think he's everywhere and the ones that think he's nowhere. If you think the devil is under every headache, every sneeze, every booger in your nostril, you're giving him way too much credit. Can I get an amen? Stop being so demon-possessed, devil-focused. But if you think that the devil doesn't exist and you can't be oppressed by darkness, you're also being duped. Can I ask you both to come back to the middle? If you think the devil isn't real, I want you to come back to the middle. There's a real devil. But if you think the devil is stronger than Jesus... You're missing it. Come back over here to the middle. Bible I read says that Jesus is small enough to fit underneath our feet. That's the devil in the world. He's, he's, he's the size to get under our feet. Jesus is big enough to hold the heavens and the earth and the universe in the span of his hands. If Jesus can hold everything here and the devil is small enough to fit under my size 11s, come on, you, you judge. No power struggle. Are you still with me today? How will we see this great providential shift? I believe God will irrigate California as men and women are full of the Spirit of God, full of the power of God, and begin to do good and say, you know what, where there is, listen, the word healing means to cure or to make whole, and the word oppress means to control. Maybe you don't have friends that are controlled by the devil, but they might be controlled by alcohol, controlled by pornography, controlled by lying, controlled by greed controlled by pride. Is there anybody that's ever met someone like that? You don't raise your hand. It's probably you. It's all right. Coming for you. I am convinced there is a God that cures, makes whole those that are oppressed. Listen to me. If you feel like you were in bondage to darkness today, today is the day that you get free. I wish someone in Orange County would believe that God could do it in a moment. Is there anybody that still believes like that in Orange County? God intoxicated people. God saved me in a moment delivered me in a moment I cussed my whole life I was a cussing pro snowboarder I was I was so my, my vocabulary would have you have to take a shower after hanging out with me and in one moment with God I'm not saying you can't cuss and go to heaven I'm just saying for me I had one encounter with Jesus and when I lifted myself off the ground after weeping in his presence for an hour and 45 minutes the part of my brain that dropped bombs when I slammed my finger in the door was no longer in my brain. My wife doesn't know me as a cusser. My kids don't know me as a cusser. Well, it must be because you were raised in this great environment. I was raised in the Antelope Valley. Hello. It's the armpit of the state of California. I wasn't raised in a godly environment. But I'll tell you what, when you get an encounter with Jesus, it's kind of like when you marry your spouse. If you hang out with them long enough, you'll start acting like them. I want to let you know that Jesus doesn't drop the F-bomb. I want to tell you that Jesus isn't getting high. He's not even getting drunk. When you get to heaven, you're not going to be like, we just had some beers. We're just kind of chilling. It's not the God that I serve. He's not legalistic. But listen to me, he's not lawless either. Ooh, I feel like I'm kicking some sacred cows. 
can you preach like this in Orange County? People might leave this church. I would rather have a church full of some righteous people stand for what's right than a bunch of lukewarm, half-hearted, one foot in, one foot out, acting like Jesus on Sunday and acting like the devil the rest of the week. Where are the real Christians in California? Tired of this half-hearted faith. I know I'm strong, but man, I'd, I'd rather go to a church that hits you with some truth than kisses you with a bunch of lies. I wrote this down. I feel this in my bones. I'm telling you today that God's setting the stage for an, uh, an epic showdown of good versus evil. A head-on collision with the principalities and powers that have dominated this land for too long. A redemptive story of biblical proportions of good versus evil, light versus darkness, as the early church used the winds of adversity to rise. So again in our days will we rise like eagles, and God will do a work that the world would not believe even if it was told to them. I am convinced that he is the God that elevates one and sets down the other. You don't want to honor God? That's all right. He'll find someone else to elevate. He's the God that rejected Saul and elevated David. The only difference was, was the heart posture of David. It was honor to God. And Saul's heart posture was honor to himself. God will dethrone those that are honoring their own name, and he will lift up those that honor his. I am persuaded that he is the God that... He actually, he is the giant Goliath slain God that raises up no-name homeschoolers that are shepherds. He is the God that turns the fire of the genocide of the Jews to only consume the arsonist Haman. He is the lion den deliverer. Though that he may allow you to spend the night in the den, he will shut the mouth of the lions. The ultimate prison breaker. He sends angels and earthquakes, not just to deliver us from the chains, but households from hell. He has the spirit. He, he has his spirit has and will fill ex-terrorists, cussing fishermen, corrupt tax collectors, pagan prostitutes, oppressed captives, misled Pharisees, murderers, adulterers, liars, marketplace women, wineless weddings. He will reveal the love and power in the earth. His name is holy. His way is righteous. His, his spirit is powerful. His bride is the church. His kingdom is everlasting. And of his rule, there will be no end. I am persuaded that we live too much of our time focused on temporary problems. We serve a God that rules and that reigns. And I prayed this week and I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget. God told me that his Davids are ready to replace earth's souls that hell's Hamans are no match for God's Esther's. That the time to favor Zion, the set time has come. The time to stand, the time to believe, the time to risk, the time with God here and now. God is undefeatable. His wisdom is sharper. His weakness is stronger. His, he's using the foolish things of the earth to confound the wise. God prepared a ram on the other side of the mountain before he called us up to the hill. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. And I am persuaded today that God is raising up generals to dismantle hell's agendas. I'll say this. God told me so clearly, he said, Mark, I heard it. Rashad and I were praying in Idaho as we were driving back from the mountains. He said, God is raising up generals to dismantle hell's agenda. Listen to me and disrupt the devil's supply chain. I believe that God is going to raise some of you up like irrigation pipes 
that are going to disrupt hell's supply chain. Fivefold ministry will flow once again like a river to every society and every city. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. We aren't building a boat that floats. We're building a church that saves. The kingdom is the message. The church is his people. The kingdom is the message. The church is his people. Jesus is the king. The church is his bride. The wedding supper of the Lamb is the cosmic event, and we're here to make preparation for it. Inviting people with the invitation of Jesus Christ himself to be married at this special occasion in the highways and in the byways. Why would you not want to serve a God that's so good? Would you stand to your feet all over this place? I believe that he's going to do something so, so precise. I just couldn't get that phrase, precision. God is like cutting a diamond. God has a precision. He has a precise uh, laser. His light is going to cut through the steel in this county. He's going to cut through the lies in California. I believe the time will come that much truth will be, be prevailed, that God will actually cause the giants in this land to begin to fall. He's going to raise up David's. He's going to raise up Esther's. Some are unsuspecting, unassuming. You would never guess it. There are some dark horses that God is going to raise up. People that no one was betting on, thinking on, betting, thinking that could ever change the, their world. I believe that there's going to be governors, there's going to be mayors, presidents, CEOs, entrepreneurs, inventors, educators, school board, directors. I'm telling you that God is going to raise up a church that changes regions and cities. I believe that Ocean's Church is going to be a beachhead to voices and generals that will change the earth. Father, I pray if you want to do it anywhere, you would do it here. And if you want to shake the earth from California, we pray that you would do it with us. Let us be one of the churches that get to be a part of this great last day revival, this end time harvest. I pray, Lord, today, if you're here, you say, Mark, if Jesus isn't scared of the Holy Spirit, if Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, I want to be full of the Holy Spirit. Warning, when you're full of the Holy Spirit, he will cause you to be louder bolder. He'll cause you to love people that are unlovable. He'll cause you to actually start walking in a way that you never walked in before. You might change your appetites. He might change your language. He might change your priorities. He might change how you spend your money. I'm telling you, man, to become a Christian is free. To become a disciple will cost you everything you got. He wants you to follow him. Follow him. Close your eyes. He's here. Spirit of God, we invite you. Spirit of God, we love you. Lift you higher. Lift you higher. Lift you higher. Come on, let's lift him high. Lift him. Lift him. Lift him. Come on, can we make him a little higher today? Lift up Jesus. Hey. Lift you higher. Lift you higher. Lift you higher.
Anybody in here believe that God can do it? Anybody believe that God can do a great work in our day? That he can make his bride victorious? There's two theological worldviews. There's those that believe that Jesus is coming back for a church that needs to be rescued because it's falling apart. And there's those like us that believe that he's coming back for a glorious bride, for a gorgeous church. That Ephesians says it does not have spot, does not have wrinkles. I believe that he's coming back for a powerful church, a church that hell is scared of, a church that, that has the devil on a short leash, a church that I believe has the power to evict darkness and to cause the kingdom of God's light to invade the earth. That's the church we're building. That's the kingdom we're preaching. Today, I want to invite you, if you feel like you want more of the Holy Spirit, lift your hands. You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've never gotten a prayer language. Maybe you've never had a dream or a vision. Maybe you never had this deep sense that God is filling me up. Raise your hands today. Lord, I pray for anyone that's hungry that you would fill them up. Come on, if your hands are up today, come on. Just say, Lord, fill me up. Fill me up. Come on, get hungry today. Fill me up. Holy Spirit, we invite you to fill us up. Top of our heads, soles of our feet. I pray that you would touch minds. I pray that you would cure cancers. I pray that, Lord, you dissolve tumors and ulcers. God, remove parasites. I, I pray that your power would flush our digestive system. I pray, Lord, today that, God, physically you would heal us. Spiritually you would cleanse us. And that you would give us a new holy appetite. God, I pray for those that are addicted to pornography that you would deliver them today. I pray that those that have eating disorders, cutting themselves, depressed, suicidal, I commend the spirit of death to lead this church. You are not welcome at Ocean's Church. I command that, that religious spirit that's always learning but never surrendered to God to go. I pray that you would come to know the truth and the truth would set you free. Command every evil spirit that's not the Holy Spirit to loose your grip over God's sons and over God's daughters right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. He's here. Come on, if you need a healing in your body, I feel like there's virtue. The virtue of heaven is in this tent. You're watching online. I dare you to put your hand on your heart. I hope you felt challenged today. I hope that you go to a church that every week you feel like God is stirring something new inside of you. Truth is, you'll never go to a church that you agree with everything the pastor says. But I would dare you to go to a church somewhere that when you leave, you go, man, I feel like I was at a gym session today. I feel like God was challenging me to put more weight up than I thought I could put up. I feel like the Holy Spirit was lifting my, con my convictions higher than I thought I could ever lift my convictions. I didn't know God could change my appetite. I didn't know that God could make my mind holy once again. I didn't know God could give me a pure vocabulary. I didn't know God could make me funny without being crude and ugly. I didn't know that there is a God that makes you like Him when you spend time with Him. There is a God that makes you become like Him when you spend time with Him. Holy Spirit, come. Come on, I'm sorry, I feel something right now. If you need healing in your body, lift your hands. Healing, physical, mental, spiritual. Heal me, Jesus. You'd say, heal me, Jesus. Someone's hands up next to you. I dare you to put your hand on their shoulder. Maybe guys with guys, girls with girls. Come on, just put your hand on someone's shoulder next to you. And just say, in Jesus' name. Come on, say it with me, church. In Jesus' name. Come on, say it like you mean it. In Jesus' name. We invite the Spirit of God has the power to heal, deliver, save, fill them up. 
evict darkness, diseases, viruses, sickness. God, do a new thing. Make them holy. Make them like you, Jesus. Touch them now. Yeah, someone's ulcers right now getting touched right now. I see God literally like removing like with like a, almost like a syringe on the inside of your stomach lining. Someone has like a bacteria lining the entire wall of your stomach. You have to take like these pills every day to kind of break up the bacteria inside of you. And I see God even right now with a holy scalpel. I'm telling you that Jesus is the ultimate surgeon. He's never missed a surgery procedure. He's gotten it right. He's never messed up. I see him right now removing even like some sort of virus, bacteria, some sort of parasite in your stomach. It's gone into your digestive tract. I pray that today, Lord, even those that have issues with their gallbladder, I pray you would heal it. Someone has like an, even an issue, like there's some sort of pancreatic cancer that runs in your family. You had some sort of diagnosis recently that it might be that. I pray that you would heal today. Heal Fred, heal Steve. I pray that you'd heal, Lord. Even Erica, move right now in a powerful way. Touch them, top of their head, bottom of their feet. Lymph nodes, heal them. Yeah, 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 heal them. Someone might even have like preeclampsia. You're pregnant, and I just feel like God today said you're not going to have preeclampsia this next pregnancy. Heal them, Lord. Heal them, Lord. In Jesus' name. Can we do one last thing, church, as we finish? Sorry for going a little late. You're here today to say, Mark, I want to invite Jesus into my life. I'm not walking with him, but I want to. His spirit fills you up when you invite him in. If you're here today, you walked away from God and you want to rededicate your life to Him, or maybe you've never known Him, and today's the day you get right with Jesus. If everyone could stand to your feet as we close, everyone stand to your feet as we close. If that's you today, every eye closed, every head bowed. If you would say, Mark, today I want to invite Jesus into my life for the first time, or today before all these people, I want to rededicate my life. I'm not going to embarrass you, I'm not going to have you come forward. If you're, if you're in the tents, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. If you're online, I'd love you to write heart, H-E-A-R-T, right now. I don't care if all your friends are watching. If everyone you know is online right now, I dare you to be bold with Jesus. If you'll be bold for God, he'll be bold for you. All over the tents and online on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and write heart all over the room. I pray in Jesus' name. One, eyes closed, heads bowed. Two, I pray everyone that needs to respond, this is the day of salvation. Let salvation visit their homes today in Jesus name three would you lift it really high really high really high don't be shy really high really high yeah really high I see four five six real high keep it up seven eight yeah I love it nine I see nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen where you at fifteen fifteen anymore anymore sixteen hands awesome put your hands down man I hate it when I do, when I do this but I just know the Lord told me there's four more people. There's four more. Maybe you're online, but there's at least three of you that are in these tents. You didn't raise your hand. You're trying to, you're, you're, you're wishing on the inside. Let me just get out of here today. I don't want to surrender. I like being the CEO of my universe. I'm telling you, Jesus makes an awful employee, but he makes an incredible boss. Some of you had a bad experience with Jesus because you, you want him to work for you. You don't work, look, we work for him. Today's the day of salvation. Three more. Eyes closed. Probably more, but at least three. Didn't raise your hand, but you're supposed to. You didn't raise your hand, but you're supposed to. Come on, out of respect today. Would you close your eyes? No one's looking. That she would just raise your hand on the count of three. I was supposed to, but I didn't. One, 
I was supposed to. You go ahead and raise it whenever you want. Two, I'll give you three seconds. That was me. There's one. I want you to ask everyone that's supposed to raise their hand, raise your hand. Three. We just raise it up real quick. There's three more. I see one. Real high, real high. I was supposed to raise my hand, but I didn't. I was supposed to raise my hand, but I didn't. Yeah, there's two. Anybody else? Three. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I appreciate that. Awesome. Hey, church, would you pray with those, those people today? Is that 19, 20? I pray, Lord, right now for everyone that raised their hands. Would you pray this prayer, Ocean's Church? Say, Jesus, I invite you today. Would you fill me with your spirit? Come on, say like me. Fill me with your spirit. Guide my life. Give me a new appetite, new holiness, a new hunger for the things of God. Let me love you more than football, more than food, more than entertainment. Give me an appetite for God. Direct my life from this day forward. Jesus, be my Lord. God's people said amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.